Don't just read, absorb. Don't just think, ponder. The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. That's a quote from Dr. Seuss. Okay. Hello and welcome to Julia Moyne's second podcast. Thank you for joining us and for your messages of support. Hi, Julia. Hope you've had a good week. And all Hi, this- Maureen. Yeah, I've had a good week. The weather has been good for a change. We've had some sunshine in Wales. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, it's a sunny day today in Greece, so I'm making the most of it. Um, Just thinking about our week, I've listened to a few podcasts and radio this week, Mm -hmm. and I've been listening to James O'Brien, and he said, and he said something that made me think, and he said, you can't have an opinion on everything. And we know... We've got Brexit for the UK, we've got COVID, and we've got the infamous Mr. Donald Trump. (laughs) And we feel we need to have an opinion on everything, but we don't. But, yeah, it's true. But um, I just want to thank the listeners for their thoughts and opinions on our podcast and to let you know out there that we really appreciate the input and encouragement don't we julia yeah great thank you very much for listening in to us you know it is a little project that we've just embarked on and we are enjoying it so we hope you are yeah um but a reminder to you though um through our eyes is a podcast about our thoughts and it's our points of view of course uh, and we acknowledge that not all our listeners may agree with our content But by accessing this podcast, note that the information, opinions and recommendations are presented for general information only. Thank you for our disclaimer, Julia. That's okay. Well, let's get started, Maureen. Let's. We all know, and we might have even said it ourselves, a woman's work is never done. Well, in 1975, 90% of Icelandic women went on strike. Mm, Why, you ask? Well, we're going to share. Did you know that care trips for the elderly and children are classed as me time? Mm. Stay tuned and find out more. And find out what these statements have in common as we explore the next chapter of Invisible Women in our episode. Travelling with fear and fear is not fair. Right, okay. Thanks, Julia. Well, we're... Yeah, we're going to talk about transport infrastructure. And I know our listeners might be thinking, well, what has that to do with inequality? Well, let's look at it in terms of questionable decisions. Um, We have all used various modes of transport for work or leisure and acknowledge that transport becomes necessary for job Mm -hmm. purposes. Okay, so the research shows that there is a bias towards male modes of transport. And a 2014 EU report on European satisfaction with urban transport describes male travel patterns as standard. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. As it decries the failure of European public transport systems to adequately serve women. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Mm. Well, global transport conversation increasingly recognises that men and women do have different travel patterns uh, and this that this reality should be reflected 
into the design of transport projects. In general, women engage in more non-work-related travel and multi-stop trips, such as running household errands, they're more likely to travel with children, perhaps elderly relatives. Women also travel shorter distances and within a more restricted area. Hmm. Yeah, they do. And I'm, I wonder for how many of our listeners they can relate to that statement. Yeah, but however, when you're talking about care trips, such as elderly parents or relatives who need care, they are not deemed as compulsory. And they're actually defined as me time, which means they're dismissed as having no real commitment. Now, that hardly no, seems fair, relating does it? To our it's not fair. Why is that? It seems crazy. Um, hopefully we'll share more now. Yeah. So, but not exclusively. Because of women's care and responsibilities, a 2015 survey showed women to be dissatisfied with streets and pavement. Mm-hmm. I can understand yeah. that. Yes, women are more likely to be pushing prams and are affected by inadequate walkways, rough, narrow, cracked pavements, litter, and ill-placed street furniture. Now, Sanchez de Madariga estimates that a journey can take up to four times as long as women travel at lower speeds, such as using the bus or on Mm. foot. And I I can relate to that, and I'm sure you can, Maureen. You can think of examples of the streets that we've walked and trudged along and how awkward, rough, not unkempt, you know? Yes, not making it an easy journey. time on your journey. But um, we did read that there are exceptions. Um, Like, studies have shown that in some cities, like Mumbai, for example, women's mobility patterns do match the men's making longer yeah. trips during peak hours um, and from point to point. So we do appreciate there are exceptions. Yes, there's mm. always an exception. Yeah. But it's no secret that the British government does spend lavishly on road building uh, when Britain has a fairly serviceable road infrastructure. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Uh, no. In 2014... It was found that 70% of councils, though, had cut bus funding, which is the most feminised form of transport. Where was their thinking behind that? You know, and let's not forget, women make up 50% of London's bus users. So they were cutting it? Crazy. The gender gap in travel data continues with the intentional omission in many transport surveys of shorter pedestrian and other non-motorised trips. The trips, as Sanchez de Madagria says, are not considered to be relevant for infrastructure policy making. So those me trips don't, shouldn't be counting. Okay. The assumption that shorter walking trips are irrelevant to infrastructure policy is really a poor assumption, and it should be clear that they aren't. Absolutely. So... You know, if you just think about that, you know, what does that mean for women in terms of their daily life and Mm. commitments? Um, We already know that they do the major share of housework, hold down a job, have caring responsibilities. It's no wonder women's work Mm. is never done. 
given women's time poverty, which is paid and unpaid work, it just makes for a longer working day than yeah. men. And I think that's what we felt that in the title, is this really fair? I mean, what about the section, Maureen, on all the extra hours that women do that simply goes unrecognised? I mean, how many of you oh. look after your parents, call in on relatives, look after children or, or grandchildren? I know some of you might be doing this with your husband or partner, but if you sat down and worked out the hours, who does do the majority? Guess what? This data is not collected or included when we talk about the working hours of a female. Data that has been collected is, shows that 75% of unpaid work is actually done by women across the world. 75% unpaid. We spend That's an average of three, we, we being female, spend an average of three to six hours per week doing unpaid work. Whereas our male counterparts, between 30 minutes and two hours. Mm. bit of a difference mm. isn't there right you could well be thinking why are we sharing this with you with you well it's because we can't believe it surely this isn't right in 2020 but it is listeners housework is done by women well 61 percent of us men rarely take on the carer role with 70 percent of women being unpaid dementia carers yeah, and that's a lot, 70% mm. of women being dementia mm. carers. Um, but like we said before, there are mm -hmm. exceptions to the rule. And my brother is the main carer for my mum, mm. our mum at the moment, because she has Alzheimer's. And it's a shared responsibility with my brother and mm. my sister, that my brother is the one doing the major mm. care at the moment. And, you know, we do thank him and we... Um, acknowledge mm. you know, all the hard work he's putting in to be there mm. but he's also doing that holding down the job and that's what most women would be doing at the same, same time. time yeah so it, it, like your brother is an exemption you know um, and there are like I know that my brother and Tracy they share it the workout but I not everybody's like that we know that. I mean, men also, it was noted, seemed to have more time for leisure pursuits. Um, mm. You might have a devoted husband or partner out there who does more than you do, but in reality, you are the minority. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy if you have a partner who helps yes. out. Uh, you might think, well, why are we going on about this? Of course we know it happens, and in life there will be unpaid work. But the point is, it has an effect on us as women. It impacts on our health and our well-being. Studies have shown that women who have had bypass surgery, when they go back to their normal life, they go back to being carers. Yet men are cared for. Okay, have you picked up on mm. that, listeners? You know, we go straight back to carers, looking after everybody else, and the men get cared for mm. okay and any single women out there you're okay apparently because living with a man doubles the household chores didn't make her smile but how much can relate to that mm. 
women are also um, more likely to be the sufferers of stress because of their line of work and with the unpaid work that they do. Um, the International Labour Organization stipulated in 1930 that no one should exceed 48 hours a week of, at work, paid work, of course. Mm -hmm. All right, working more hours than this, they believed health would deteriorate. Now, I'm sure there's many of you out there with a lot more hours than that, but that's, that's what it was stipulated. Uh, sure enough, data collected in the UK on the civil servants illustrated that women were suffering from depression and anxiety far more than men. And a further study in America shared that women risked developing cancer and heart diseases by working the longer hours. This isn't true of us all. There is a group, the unencumbered, people with no care responsibilities who can work the longer hours. The issue we had is that women are not encumbered. We're mm. invisible. Invisible. You yeah. know? Icelandic women had the right idea, though. When the UN decided in 1975, uh, to, it's going to be the women's year, the women of Iceland, they went on strike. They did absolutely nothing for a day. And 90% of the women took part. Brilliant. Awesome. Year later, Gender Equality Act. This meant there wasn't to be no sex discrimination in the workplace or schools. Do you know? Great. Fair play Good. to them. Good on you. Yeah, Icelandic women. <laughs> so, uh, so you talked about unencumbered women. Mm. Um, and as we get older and our children leave home, we can work the longer mm -hmm. hours if our jobs demand that of us. Mm -hmm. But... We, as you also said, we also replace that with care responsibilities mm -hmm. or looking after grandchildren or elderly mm -hmm. parents. So it still becomes a catch-22. Yeah, definitely. It does. It does. So your responsibilities are changing and then we're still getting the extra work hours. Yeah, being mm -hmm. paid care in roles mm -hmm. that still means yeah. you don't have the time you thought you had. No. Uh, because women also have so much to do, Maureen, and not enough hours, women do tend up working part-time, we read, didn't we? This yes. often means women are then working in jobs and below their skill level, and they're getting paid less. You know, is it really fair? Is this a choice women should have to make? Because of this journey, women are becoming poorer, and the gender pay gap is high. Women find their wages and careers sorry, stagnate, and they in fact become poorer and poorer and can earn from up to 75% less than men over their working career. Between 31 and 75% less, they could be earning less. Surely that can't be right. That's terrible. 31 to 75% less than men over their whole working career. That's shocking. That's shocking. And they might, if they've had to take time out from work, you know, they have a family, they're then penalised when it comes to pensions. So by the time they can sit back and actually relax and enjoy their life, they find that they're doing it from a shoestring. Yeah. Mad. Yeah. yeah, it's just not geared for us, is it, yeah. the workplace? Yeah. But as we've highlighted previously, 
we are not of the opinion to criticize men, mm. okay, or to hold them to account. But we just seek an acknowledgement that women should be equal, you know, mm. which is not, not the reality. Okay, no. that's all we're seeking to do. Mm. So if we talk about part-time work, you know, how many men do you know who work part-time? Um, does it compare to the women who hold uh, maybe two part-time jobs to work around their children and responsibilities? Mm -hmm. And when men work part-time, more often than not, it is in addition to a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, think about that. But if you do think about it, is there more pressure for men to have jobs as opposed to women? Mm -hmm. And is that going back to our hunter-gatherer discussion we had in our last podcast? Mm, yeah, good point. Maureen, good point. I mean, we've got to point out, though, that there is also an issue for men and having families who want to take the paternity leave. You know, I wonder how many listeners out there have got husbands or partners who've had that privilege of having quality paternity leave. Uh, there are countries who are recognise that, Sweden, New Zealand, of two I definitely know of from from friends who are out there um, and it really had a, a, an important impact on the father and the father became m much more involved in the caring role in that household you know so it is an area that needs to be looked at surely yeah, it does and um, if you think about the UK and paternity leave is about two weeks for men Mm. absolutely nothing so mm. you know this is an area that needs to be addressed you know the issue mm. um, we need to address the issue of equality for men as well yeah yeah totally agree okay. yeah. Uh, we're going to move on now and discuss open spaces mm. for our children and women interestingness yeah so what we found, um, reading an article from The Guardian, which was written in 2016, and it asks, why aren't we designing cities that work for women, not just men? And they found that track and trend data on gender makes it hard to develop infrastructure programs that factor in women's needs. Really? How hard is it to factor in mm. women's needs? Yeah, that's... Yes. Anyway, yeah. in the mid-1990s, research by officials in Vienna found that from the age of 10, girls' presence in parks and public playgrounds decreased significantly. Why was this? You may well ask. Well, we have to give credit more into the city officials. They wanted to know why as well. So instead of deciding girls just need to toughen up and be like the boys... They wondered what was wrong with the design of the parks. So they started to collect data, and what they found was revealing that large open spaces were the problem. Mm -hmm. Because these force girls to compete with the boys for space, and the girls, we just don't, they don't have the confidence for that due to social conditioning. So they let the boys have the space. Which we weren't surprised at, were we, Maureen? Because no. being educators? No, we weren't surprised at this because boys do have the tendency to take over the playground with their football. Mm. And we do have to carve up the space as well so the girls yeah. have their share of the playground. Too. And they feel safe, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the fact that these spaces 
um, that we're talking about usually tend to have wire fences and a single entrance means that the girls have to run the gauntlet of the boys. And the town planners, Len Leslie Knopf and Claudia Prince Brandenburg, came up with more and wider entrances. You might think that's mm. quite simple, but it had to be thought out. And I think having a woman involved actually made them think about it as well. Yeah. You know, so they subdivided spaces, which allowed for boys and girls to have their own space. They were subtle changes, but they worked. Mm. I think um, the fact, like you suggested there, Maureen, there were, there were two women involved mm. who could empathise to girls and how they felt in open spaces. Absolutely. You know, perhaps reflected on their own experience. Yes. But um, open spaces is also a discussion part, point in the book with relation to women. We were made aware, probably at no surprise to you listeners, that women feel threatened in open spaces and that there is evidence and surveys to back this up. I mean, how many of you ever felt concerned, threatened when walking in a particular area? You know, how, how many of you have been hollered at, leered at, received a cat call? In the book, travel harassment is also identified and it again proved to be a real eye-opener, didn't it, Maureen? Yeah, it did, you know. And as you said, Julia, when you look at travel um, through the lens of a woman, commuting can also be a subject for sexual sorry, harassment and mm. microaggressions. And mm. in Caroline has collected some data on this. And she says that women are often scared in public spaces, particularly at night, and I can understand that, and twice as likely to be scared as men. And we do have the data to prove it. Crime surveys and empirical studies from across the globe show a majority of women are fearful of potential violence against them in public spaces. Why is this? You know, so we have someone called Anastasia Lukatu Sidoris, um, and she analyzes crime data from the US and Sweden. And that shows that women and men respond to environmental conditions differently. Okay, so we perceive mm -hmm. our dangers differently. With women responding more sensitively than men. You know, yeah. the things that we respond to are, you know, uh, social disorder, graffiti, mm -hmm. um, unkempt and abandoned buildings. These all trigger a danger response in women. I don't think any listener would be surprised. Oh, no, that's... But we were surprised the figures. Yeah, and the figures are what we're going to share with you now. Um, a UK Department for Transport study highlighted the stark difference for men and women in their perception of danger. So, listeners, listen to this, okay? 62% of women are scared of walking through multi-storey car parks as opposed Sixty percent of women are scared waiting on train platforms compared to twenty-five percent of men. Forty-nine percent of women 
are scared waiting at a bus stop as opposed to 20% of men. 59% of women are scared walking home from a bus stop or station compared to 25% of men. Now, when you look at those figures, mm. um, the concerns for men do not go above 35%, uh, 31% yeah. was the highest. So you're talking about and you, the lowest was 20%. Mm. So the differentials between the male and female perception, you know, it, it's fivefold. Mm. you know for some of these you know so we do need to take it seriously and the fear of crime is high particularly among low-income women partly mm. because they tend to live in high crime areas and are also likely to be working odd hours and listen to this women of color tend to experience more fear for the same reasons as well as having the added danger of often gendered, racialized violence to contend with as well. Mm, I don't think we found that shocking, actually, that last statement. No. I mean, if you do, and I hope you do decide to read this book, listeners, and understand what's happening to women around the world, some of the horrors of, of women's simple journeys back and forth to, from A to B, um, get you beyond angry and tearful yeah yeah it, it becomes quite emotional when you mm. read these stories definitely i mean as we've said women are far more likely to feel threatened harassed but unfortunately they're also fearful of reporting incidents one reason being the fear of being dismissed uh during chapter two we read some horror stories about public transport incidents Harassment was simply overlooked. People didn't know how to deal with it. Women aren't always clear to who and what to report. And what exactly accounts for sexual harassment? Women have a real fear that their reports will simply be dismissed, not taken seriously. You know, and we, it was horrifying to read some of those stories. Yeah, wasn't we were. It? And um, there's one where we read, there's many, but there was one where. A woman was asked to leave the bus for reporting harassment to the driver. Mm. Now, the driver actually asked her to leave the bus when mm. she was being harassed. So how do we even try to protect ourselves in mm. these circumstances? Yeah, awful. Yeah. But although security and safety measures are improving, Again, a lack of data collection means that some transport organisations just don't appear to take it seriously enough. Security cameras put in place, you would say, would be a reassurance. Mm -hmm. But if you ask the women what they'd prefer, they'd like to see a security officer or guard, an example of women not being asked yet again. Mm. I think we read about the people have been asked and that's what they said they'd rather have the presence of an adult than just think that there's a security camera around can you rely on a security camera you know chapter three in the book really did open our eyes to the fact that you know perhaps society as a whole does not look at the bigger picture and take on board or look into the needs of women is it so outrageous that women in fact all of us 
doesn't have to be just women, would like to feel safe and be able to travel without fear, surely that's got to be fair. You know, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you, listeners. Um, that's the end of our second podcast for this week. Um, thank you, Julia. That was a mm. backfield podcast Good. and, um, mm. you know, really made us think about some of the things that we'd read mm-hmm. uh, Definitely. in this book, again, with fresh eyes. Um, we think the first few chapters really have opened our eyes to the question, are women really taken into account when it comes to decision making? And when they are, you can see from the open spaces that it does make a difference. It has an impact. Mm. So we'd like to thank you. And don't forget to listen in next week and keep those messages coming in. You can email us at through your eyes book discussions at gmail.com. That's through our eyes book discussions at gmail.com and that's all lowercase or you can voice message us using the anchor link and we're going to say have a good week listeners and you too julia oh maureen it's been fabulous really really enjoyed um you have a good week as well yes and we look forward to including listeners your thoughts and voice messages as part of our podcast next week Look out or listen out for our three through our eyes episode three. Ooh, exciting. Where we will discuss brilliance blinded by bias. Have a good week, everybody, and stay safe. Yes, stay safe, listeners. Have a good week. Bye for now. Bye.